to Saul, thy servant, kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a, a lamb out of the flock, and, and I went out after him, watch this, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. So, beloved, the very one who is penning Psalm 23 here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God is the very one that testified before King Saul uh, that he was not afraid of this giant. He was out of his uh, out of his ranks. This guy was an experienced soldier. He was an experienced uh, uh, a man of battle, a man of war, and David was but a shepherd boy. But he's standing before this king, saying, "Listen, my God got me out of a uh, uh, helped me deliver a, a lamb out of the myth of a bear out of." the mouth of a lion, and then I turned around and I slew him. I did it all in, my God, in, in God's hands. And he says, beloved, he says, I know that my God's going to deliver me out of the hand of this giant as well. So, beloved, we know that David uh, was incredibly accurate with his sling. He was very accurate with stones. And it seems that there's another tool that he may have had uh, in the battle as a shepherd. Now, we know he only took five stones and one sling out there against, um, against Goliath, and that's what he defeated him with, Okay. But as a shepherd, we know that he had the rod as well. We read that in Psalm 23, verse 4. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So the rod, guys, is a, it's a twofold fascinating instrument. Uh, and it's shaped by hand uh, from a sapling. Uh, the key to his usefulness, guys, is that it had a hard knob on one end, found, and it's just underground level. And so when the, when the, uh, when the shepherd would find the sapling of his choosing, uh, he would dig up underneath it, and up underneath it, he would find that root system, and, and there's a little knob on the end of that, that, that stump. He would pull it out of the ground, uh, just from where the roots would descend. The shepherd would dig it up. He'd dig the sampling up by hand in order to preserve the, the end of this, um, of this rod. And he would trim off the trailing roots. And with a knife, what the shepherd would do is he would work the end of that, uh, that, um, of that rod. And it's just got that little knob on the end there. And uh, he would work that thing, and he would shape that thing until it was round, and it was, had a smooth finish, like a smooth uh, ball, if you will, on the end of the sampling. And then what the shepherd would do, remember, it's a fresh sapling now, okay, so it's still green. The shepherd would then trim the rod to the height of just a few feet, okay, just a few feet. And then he would proceed to embed pieces of metal, pieces of stone, pieces of bone uh, into the end of that ball that he had just shaped. And what this did, it added additional weight and it added additional strength um, to the end of this staff, this rod, I'm sorry, this, this rod. And so as this wood dried, it would begin to shrink and it would seal itself around these pieces of metal and bone and, and stone, resulting in literally a type of club, okay? So during the day, the shepherd would practice welding this rod. He would weld this rod. He would throw this club until he became, it became a deadly missile to where he could throw that thing underhanded. He could throw it overhanded. He could throw it backhanded. He could throw it sidearm. And he would be able to hit his target at 20, 30, and 40 feet without fail. Okay? This is the things that he would do, preparing himself for the enemy that would come to try to take away uh, the sheep. 
In the strong hands of a shepherd, this rod of defense came to rescue the sheep against robbers, against poachers, and again against wild animals. We overlook this many a times. Most people have really interpreted the rod and the staff as being one singular weapon, and they are not. Okay, it was just a few feet long. You would have this rod, and it would be used as a rod of defense. And the shepherd, like I said, would become very accurate in wielding this thing uh, to defeat the enemy. So we see, guys, that the first thing that we look at here with these tools, the rod and the staff, and how they comfort the sheep, is that number one, they become a tool of defense. Not only is the rod there of, de- of defense, but we also know that it's a rod of directives. It's a rod of directives, okay? The rod of defense quickly became a rod of correction. It was used oftentimes uh, when a stubborn sheep continued in his precarious ways. Now, we've all seen the painting of Jesus Christ, and I alluded to this several weeks back. We've seen the painting uh, that the artists have done a very good job of him carrying the sheep on his shoulders. Now, when Jesus Christ said uh, that the, the good shepherd would leave the ninety and nine and go after the wayward sheep, he meant that. He did that because he loved them. But the part that he left out about that, that wayward and that stubborn sheep that would just decide to go his or her own way, continued to do that over and over and over, the shepherd would finally take this rod. Remember, the rod of defense now becomes a rod of directives, and he would break the hind leg of the sheep, all right? Now, a fracture takes anywhere from four to six weeks to heal. So as quick as he would break the hind leg of that sheep, the sheep now is useless. He cannot travel on his own anymore. The, uh, the shepherd would mend it up. He would, he would shim him up with two planks on each side, wrap it around with whatever he had on him, and then we would find that he would carry the sheep for the duration of the time for that fractured heel, four to six week period. And during that period of time, that sheep was growing ever so closer to the shepherd. He now knows that he can trust the shepherd. He can depend on the shepherd. He knows that even though what the shepherd had to do to him hurt, and hurt greatly, he knew that it was for his or her benefit. That's how we find that the rod of defense becomes then the rod of directives. But then there's the other tool that we have. The other tool, which is, we know, the staff. The staff is used for direction. The staff is used for direction. Beloved, sheep tend to do what they want to do. They nibble, they wander, their heads are down. We can see it all over the valley. We can see it all over the place. Matter of fact, uh, they're so, I'm going to call it what it is, they're so clueless that you can drive by at 60 miles an hour and blare on the horn and they won't even flinch, will they? That's one of the reasons why we are likened unto sheep. Has that ever made you wonder that we, as God's creation, we're not likened unto lions? We're not likened unto bear or tiger? Uh, You know, no predator. We're likened unto a sheep, aren't we? Because we wander and we nibble and we kind of go here and we go there. And and, and, what we need, we have to, at times, we have to have God's hand and his staff of direction. Isaiah said this, and he said that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Now, if I was to say here this evening, if you were left to your own way, your own doings, no direction, no guidance, what do you think that you would do today? What do you think a country would do today if you were just to be left with no guidance or direction whatsoever? Well, you do your own thing. You do exactly what Israel did. When there was no king of the land, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now listen, if that's with someone who is led by God and led by the Holy Spirit of God and they're doing the right thing that's in their eyes in relation to God, hey, that's not too bad of a thing, is it? But we have this little problem inside of us. 
Man's greatest problem is man's greatest self. We have sin. We are sinners by name. Guys, listen. We, we're, guys, we're not sinners because we sin. Do you understand? We sin because we're sinners. That's what it is. It's, there's not an argument about the chicken or the egg, who came first, whatever. We sin because we are bonafide sinners. You understand that? That would be one of the greatest things that would be put away in heaven. Well, I cannot wait till we get there. All sin, my sin, it would be put away. I won't even have the temptation to sin any longer. No more frustration. And what a blessing that is. Mankind left to themselves will end in utter depravity. And we see it in nations all over the place. We see it today. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and say this to you tonight. And you've, you've heard me for years preach the warning, preach the warning, preach the warning. If you look over the course of eight years, nearly eight years since we started this church, and I have warned you and warned you and warned you about what's going on and what happens and the things in our world and our life and where this religion in this world today has taken our society. And now you look around at what's going on here today, just in the last 12 months, I mentioned to, I mentioned to Brother Preston just before service here, I, I guarantee you, I highly doubt that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is ever presented in the Church of England during a service. The Beatitudes will, you know, blessed, is, blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the world. It's not even for the church, by the way. All right, That's an, it's, it's a millennial kingdom verse. All right, works are going to be taught, works religion. By all means, hoodwinking somebody into infant baptism, that's going to be taught, which is a damnable heresy, okay? That's going to be taught. But you're not going to hear the precious gospel, the life, eternal life given and saving uh, 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 gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which Paul says in Acts 20, the grace of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to hear. That's where we are today in the world. You know why? Because man chose to go off by themselves. Good night. You got a religion that was started for one singular purpose, so a king could get a divorce. Kick the Catholics out, make a kissing cousin Catholic in the Church of England. There you go. Uh, there's nothing righteous about it. There's nothing uh, glorious about it. There's nothing godly about it, okay? It is a man-filled, man-created religion. I'm saying all that to make this point. Why, is, why am I making that point? Why am I saying that? Because we're like sheep. Guys, if you and I, even with the knowledge that we have tonight, if we were left to ourselves, you take the church away, the Bible away, the desire to pray, we would go do the very same thing, if not worse. Do you understand? That's why we need that staff of direction. The rod of defense is used against the savage beast. The rod of correction is used against the stubborn brood. But it is the shepherd's staff which is used for his shepherding, if you will. For the staff, the shepherd will usually select another sapling, one much longer, and he'll cut it just above the ground. And while it's still green and very pliable, he'll take it and he'll soak it in salt and water to soften the wood up even more. After it's softened up quite nice, he will bend the top of the staff, bend the top, and he'll form what we would call a crook, if you will. Form this nice big loop in this crook, and he would tie, tie it in a bent-over position, tie it together until the wood was dry and well-seasoned, Okay? When the staff was thoroughly dry, the ties would be removed, the shepherd's crook would be the result, a tall, sturdy staff with a bend at the top. And what's the purpose for it? That, that hook would be the very right size to fit around the chest of the lamb. Not the neck, but usually the chest of the lamb or the neck of a larger sheep. 
It is, it is with this staff that the shepherd will guide and direct the sheep from the wandering path, away from the steep ravines, if you will, and the deadly cliffs as they move along to the areas that they need to feed and live. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That's what the good shepherd is doing. No, we don't see the hook around our chest. We don't see the crook that is going around us. We don't see that. The sheep out of the wilderness would. But our God today, our good shepherd, is taking that same spiritual crook, placing it around our chest, and he's trying to steer us into the right directions of our life. Here's the key. we got to let him do that. Because the bottom line is, all of you here tonight, you know right from wrong. Amen? He shouldn't have to tug that hard. And he just puts that around the chest just to lead you in the right direction. So we have the rod of defense used against the savage beast. We have the rod of correction used against the stubborn brood. We have the shepherd's staff, which provides the ability for the shepherd to direct the sheep. But lastly tonight, we find in turn that it gives the sheep a deliberation. And you say, well, what in the world is this? It is the rod and staff of the shepherd which gives the sheep, it gives the needed care and comfort to the flock. And that doesn't, that may not make sense to you right off the top, right off the very beginning. But knowing that our shepherd is always there, despite ourselves, he's willing to defend us. Knowing that that rod and knowing that that staff is there for our benefit, even though sometimes it hurts, and it's there for our protection, and even though sometimes we don't see it, it's there for our guiding, our direction. It gives us the liberation in our own hearts and our mind. We know that despite ourselves, he's willing to defend us. Exodus chapter 14, 14, the Bible says, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So we know that despite ourselves, he's willing to defend us. Despite ourselves, he's willing to direct us. And it gives us a greater peace more than anything else in this world can offer. This peace we can have. Despite whether we're on the wrong path, if you will, Psalm 16, verse 11 tells us, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. Hey, whether we're on a warring predator, Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 5, verse 11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. And even against a waning predicament, Psalm 6-2, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, I am weak, for I am weak, he says. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. You know, guys, here, here's the reality of life. The lost soul today does not have this peace. My soul, I, I was, I was um, preparing just in my heart a sermon for uh, the upcoming weeks. And... Uh, I got thinking about it when, when Paul's given the testimony of the shipwreck, and he said, uh, he, he said you, know, you know, 14 days they went without food, and the storm, the tempest, the Eurachlodon was beating down upon them. And he got to the point, he says, we got to the point, he goes, when all hope was lost, uh, all hope was lost that we will be saved. Now think about that. This is the superhero of the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul. There has never been a greater Christian to walk the face of this planet after the Apostle Paul. Jesus Christ, all right, our Lord and Savior, the Apostle Paul. 
And then from it's downward from there. Again, I'm not trying to, you know, tear anybody else down or, you know, nothing against Peter, James, and John. Paul was the man, okay? He worked harder. He labored more. He suffered more. He, did, he was the man. He set the standard and the pattern to follow. I'm saying all that to say this. If Paul can get to a point in his life, in his ministry, that all hope was lost, that he would be saved in the midst of that storm. And I know it's just physically. Where do you think we're going to be? Guys, there are times, even in the midst of the greatest storms of our life, even in the midst of where all hope is lost, and that's by definition called desperation. Even in the midst of utter desperation in our life, we need to come back and we need to remember that good shepherd, our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and every turn there's things that we have no earthly idea of what it's going to be, we have to remember that he's got the rod of defense. He's got the rod, uh, he's got the staff of direction. He's got the, the ability to take us in our life and steer us into the right direction, getting us off the waning trail, taking us away from the warring predators, getting us off the, uh, the, uh, the wrong path. And despite the situation, despite the storm or the circumstances of our life, we have to understand. The Lord is there. He's there in weakness. Paul said, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our world doesn't see things like that. The world doesn't see that. Do a little research sometime on some of the most popular podcast and mindset teachings today. Now, I love a good mindset learning. I think we need to have a Christian mindset, though. Do you know what it's all about? Self-sufficiency. It's all about you. You deserve this, you deserve that. You don't deserve anything. Neither do I. Amen? It's the grace of God that we're saved tonight, and that's it. So even in the midst of our own weaknesses, guess what? Paul says, I'm going to glory in those things. Even in the midst of warring in our life, no man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know what there isn't in the Christian life? If you're saved, you're a soldier. That's all there is to it. Just like we talk about Hebrews chapter 12. If, if you are saved, you're in the race. It's, you, know, you can't get out of the race. You can't lose your salvation. If you're saved, you're in the flock. Amen? Hey, you may be absentee from the fold because you're a lack of faithfulness to the house of God, which I think is an utter shame. Amen? You know where a drunk, I saw this today. I saw today, I guess it was. A drunkard has a desire to go to the bar, don't they? They have a desire to go to the bar. They want to go to the bar. They want to be around other delinquents. They want to be around other drunkards. They want to be around other lowlifes. That's what a drunkard wants to do. A saved, born-again individual should have a desire to be in the house of God. They should want to be around other Christians, around other believers. They should move everything else in their life around to be in the house of God. That's a battle that you're having in your life if you're fighting that tonight. There's a war in our life. If you're going to get entangled in this world today, you have been chosen to be a soldier. It's not a fact of being one or not being one. It's whether you're going to be a good soldier and fight the good fight, or you're going to be a bad soldier and not fight. It's just like the race. You're either going to run a good race or a bad race. Amen? Paul said, I have fought the good fight. And I've said this time and time again. I'm repeating myself. I know. If he can fight the good fight, by indication, you can fight a bad fight. We've seen many boxers fight bad fights. A lot of them against Mike Tyson, they fought bad fights. It lasted about 15 seconds. So guys, 
despite our situation, our circumstances, in our weakness, the Lord is there. Paul said, I'll glorify him in my, my infirmities. In our warring, he is there because we've been chosen to be a good soldier. And beloved, even in our wrongs, our good shepherd is there. Paul said, if I leave, and he said, if, if, he, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. We've all done things that are wrong. We do, we've done people that done people wrong. Uh, we have. They've done us wrong. Yet we get upset when people do us wrong. But we do the same. So guys, I'm saying all that to say this tonight. There's a comfort that a child of God has. There's a comfort that someone who was born again of the blood of Christ has. And the only reason you have that comfort is because we have the assurance that he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. We have the assurance that he has a rod that he will defend us against predators. We have assurance that he has a rod that he will make sure that it, 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 it will correct us in the needed times. We have the assurance that he has the staff that will direct us, which gives us the deliberation, the peace, if you will, that passeth all understanding. So, beloved, here tonight we close out verse 4 of Psalm 23. And I ask you this evening, is his rod and his staff comforting you tonight? Or do you tend to look at it as a hindrance? Well, I'm a Christian, so I can't do this, I can't do that. No, you're a Christian, so you ought not want to do this and do that. Amen? Do you look at the rod of defense as something that you call on when you need it? You know that rod of defense, that, that rod that is being wielded toward the enemy, nine times out of ten, he's launching that thing and you don't even know. Amen? Maybe you're a, a, wear, a, a wandering sheep tonight. Well, the rod of defense comes out and it's used in the same manner to get you in the right order. Amen? A rod of directives. Thank God for the staff of direction tonight. And I thank God this evening for that peace, that deliberation, that peace that passeth all understanding. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be here this evening. I ask you, Lord God, to bless the preaching and teaching of your word to each and every one's hearts and minds. I pray, dear Lord, that we would take it to heart. And Lord, those who are joined us online, I pray they would be convicted to the soul as well that you tender and touch their lives, bless them where they need, give them safe traveling mercies, Lord. I pray you do the same with us here tonight. So, Lord God in heaven, I, I love you. I thank you for who and what you are. I thank you for the glorious thing that you have done for us. And I simply ask you tonight that if you will, be with us as we depart one another. Meet us, Lord. We have our greatest need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, surely hope and pray that the preaching teaches a blessing to your heart and your mind tonight. And uh, just a couple closing. Remember, a revival prayer meeting. We'll, I'll send a post out how I do it here in just Thank a moment. Thank you so much for leave. joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. I hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.